Yeah, so this is a, this is actually the first podcast I've ever been a part of. So nice, this is, this nice. gonna be fun. How are you feeling? How are you feeling about it? Oh yeah, super anxious. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> episode of RTAF Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Norris. Thank you for being here. The sponsor for this week's episode is my Patreon. That's right. You can find my Patreon at patreon.com slash RTAF Podcast. There you will find different subscription levels and tiers of engagement. And I got to shout out a new patron this week. We're up to six, y'all. And that patron is observatory system find him at observatory system on instagram he's out here making paintings abstract flow stuff cool shit man thanks for your subscription if you subscribe this is part of the deal at any tier when you subscribe i give you a shout out and one social media handle of your choice anyway this week's guest is matt mills who is a digital artist software engineer website designer and uh all-around cool dude he's been listening to the podcast i think since day one i really dig his art it's uh, abstract digital very cool stuff and matt and i talk about his history into making art his time spent at Disney for a bit working on a video game and what it takes to make a video game. I think sometimes, I used to think this way, I'll I'll say that. I used to think that, you know, video games, like whatever, they just threw it together. And then, of course, you just think about it for two more seconds and you're like, oh wait, that probably takes a lot of people doing a lot of concept art, a lot of coding, a lot of debugging and figuring out problems and storyboarding all these kinds of things. We get into that in this episode. We talk about Matt's company, Art Grab, which is a platform that connects visual artists with musicians, record labels, and agencies that are in need of artwork. Basically, you can license your artwork through this website that Matt and some other fellow artists have built. Uh, We, of course, touch on NFTs. We also talk about where ideas might come from, Matt's routine, and several other topics. So let's strap in, y'all. Get ready for last off. Because here Matt Mills, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, yeah this is uh, this is good to get to talk about, you know, all sorts of stuff. I think, you know, I want to preface this by, you know, I'm not a full time artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if people know that or not, but, um, you know, I, I'm a full time software engineer. Nice. And art, you know, art is something that I've always loved, like enjoyed doing right. and um and and something i do every day almost you know for the most part mm-hmm. um it's just not my sort of primary income right you know? yeah yeah i uh i didn't know that until i was you know doing a little research and went to your website and on the about page i was 
I was surprised. I was surprised to learn that, you know, you have a day job like a software engineer. It kind of makes sense a little bit because, you know, you do you make digital art. I personally don't know how you do it technically. I mean, I mean, yeah. you know, I, I can see how you would carve away some time at the end of each day. But uh, but yeah, it kind of those two things. Do they do they dovetail together for you? And it, does the does the software engineering inform uh, how you make the art? It does. I mean, it's they go surprisingly well together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just the creation of art and programming. You know, you both for both of those things, you get into the same kind of flow state when you're creating. Yeah. And so for me, from that standpoint, it's, it's very similar, but also like from a young age, I've always been into computers, right? I've always been on the computer, either playing games or, you know, figuring out how to code. And that sort of led me into just, you know, I was on the computer. I saw other people like creating artwork, digital art, Photoshop stuff, you know, people just Photoshopping things. And it sort of got me interested. Um, I was always the type of kid that would, like download software. Nice. Uh, not legally. Right? <laughs> uh, you know, what were you uh, using back in the day to do that, to download, you know, all sorts of like message boards and uh, BitTorrent, you know, yeah. and you know, that's where I got my first copy of Photoshop, my first copy of Maya. Right. Sweet. And so just being on the computer all the time sort of led me into trying all these different applications. I got into flash, um, mm. because of my background, like I went to college, um, for computer science. And so I was, you know, programming all the time and, you know, it got me, you know, I sort of figured out how to get this software. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just from other people, your friends, like they download this cool stuff and you're like, Oh wow, I can do that. Yeah. And so I just started poking around and, and downloading things and, you know, got me into Photoshop and Maya, um, and it just took off from there. Like once I had those things and figured out that I could create something from nothing, mm-hmm. like I've never been a huge like painter or sculptor. Right. I've always had this like creative bone in me where, you know, when I was young, I was always just doodling. Right. Totally. On my books, you'd have like the, the textbooks with like the, uh, the brown paper bag covers on them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in elementary school when I was just drawing just like weird shit, you know, like all the time totally. <laughs> during class. Um, but it never really went past that until sort of after college when, you know, I did sort of, I had free time, you know, when right. I was younger, I didn't have a ton. It felt like art really wasn't something that I was into as much. Like I said, I was always kind of creative. Yeah. But I had a lot of other things going on. So I never really had the time to explore. Yeah. Yeah. Art and creating. Right. What, what other things were you into as a, as a kid or a young man, like, um, besides like the computer, uh, software engineering and figuring out those programs? Um, you know, I, I saw that you worked with a lot of musicians. Are you, you super into music? Did that, is that like a gateway to, to creating art for you? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably the gateway drug mm. to me sort of exploring all different types of creativity. Right. 
it's sort of the first thing that I remember just making me feel something, you yeah. know, like, you know, it just, and even to today, it's sort of what drives my artwork, right? It's, I've always got music on when I'm creating yeah. either, you know, if I'm at work, when I'm programming, I have music on when I'm, you know, creating artwork, I have music on mm-hmm. it's just sort of there all the time. And, you know, I love that I can sort of put different types of music to sort of put me in a different mood, right. To take me to a different place. Right. Totally. I've never been good at creating my own music. Yeah. Uh, it's I sort tough. of dabbled. Yeah. But it, it just never quite clicked for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, music was, was big, uh, as far as, you know, just listening to it, consuming it, all types, you know, when I was younger, it was sort of grew up in like the nineties. So there was a lot of like grunge, you know, hip hop, like, you know, Tupac and Biggie. Yeah. Um, it was big in a grunge, like Pearl Jam, you oh, know, yeah. Rage Against the Machine, Tool. And then I got into classic rock pretty deep, you know, <laughs> like all the, the good stuff, like Pink Floyd and, um, you know, Led Zeppelin and, uh, sure. took me to the grateful dead and like mm. i'm just taking all these journeys right because yeah, yeah it's all different music that has sort of fueled different points to my life right yeah depending on what i was into or even took me to different places right that i didn't even know were <laughs> were out there mm-hmm. um and and so yeah music has been definitely a big piece of just everything in my life. Nice. Um, but, you know, when I was like, when I was a kid, I was also, like I said, I wasn't really into art that as much. Right. Um, there was a lot of video games, right. Playing Nintendo computer games, things like that. Um, but I was also a pretty high level, um, soccer player. Nice. From a very young age, like three or four, I started playing soccer all the way up until, uh, till I was out of high school. Um, I got through high school and was like, you know, I've been doing this so much. Like I played on a club team. I played in high school. That was like what I did, you know, I felt like it just consumed my entire life Mm. up until that point. And after that, I was like, you know, I'm going to college. I'm done. You know, I'm going to go have fun, do whatever. Uh, and just sort of get that, you know, behind me and, and just sort of try to live, um, with a little less discipline, you know? Yeah. 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 That's cool. Um, so you're in college. Was there any point or like any specific instance or story that you could, that you could point to that kind of drew you into the idea of, of making art? Yeah. I mean, it's, it goes back to sort of like music and partying and just hanging out. Right. Yeah. Um, like I had done a lot of that in high school, Sure, <laughs> um, sure. not gonna lie. Um, but then when you get to college, you're sort of on your own, right. Totally. You're with new people, new experiences. Um, and you know, it just sort of leads you down a different path of looking at things in a different, you know, in a different light. Right. Totally. Uh, and so I, even in college, like I was never, never created anything, you know, it was all just sort of going through the motions, 
partying. It took me like almost six years to get out of college, right? Because <laughs> I was having a bit too much fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, like I said, it took me like five and a half, six years. Like, I had a great time, right? Right. Um, and I think that's sort of kind of what that period of your life is for, right? Definitely. Have fun, explore different things, figure things out. Yeah. Um, get to know who you are. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, it, you know, and that's sort of what I did. Right. And, you know, I got out and sort of, you know, just kept on the path of like what I was on, you know, and what I knew like growing up, I grew up in the suburbs, right. Like standard middle-class upbringing. Yeah. You know, everyone's parents sort of worked at like a big corporation, you know, they're all sort of like middle managers and whatnot. And, yeah. um, you know, and to me, that's just kind of all I knew. And, and sort of when I got out of college, that's sort of the path that I took, right. Just got a job in tech. Um, I, I actually grew up in Pennsylvania for, for most of my uh, younger life, like high school and college. Oh, nice. And, uh, so once I graduated, I moved down to Austin and, um, you know, got a tech job. Uh, sort of where all the <laughs> the tech jobs were at the time, you know. Yeah, for sure. Wow. And now they're coming back there, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 pretty crazy how awesome is is just you know continuing to grow since I've been here. You know, I've been here almost. I mean, it's been over fifteen years. Yeah. You know? Wow. Uh, nice. So it, it's you know I've sort of seen it change, but um, yeah, I just got a standard tech job, and and really it was it was at that point when I started creating. That's cool. Cause I had this like kind of boring job right during the day. Yeah. Uh, and, and I lived alone. Like I didn't really know that many people down here. So I would go back to my apartment, like a one bedroom apartment sitting around. Um, you know, initially I played video games, you know, just to kill time. Right. We were either at the bar hanging out or playing video games, you know, For sure. um, doing stuff that, you know, 20 year olds do. Right. Uh, and, and it was actually that, that sort of led me into figuring out that I could create things. Um, there's this video game called unreal tournament. Yep. Uh, and the producer of that put out the software to where you could sort of modify your levels and your characters. And somehow I figured it out. I think somebody I was hanging out with sort of showed me that you could do this. So right? it was like, so it's like open source kind of, and is that the basic concept there? Yeah. Even to today, like the unreal engine, um, you can just download it for free and like make your own games in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. heard, I've heard a lot of digital artist friends talk about unreal and how they're just, all about it. It's super powerful and, it, and it's pretty awesome that, that, uh, you know, the guys behind it sort of just released that for mm -hmm. anyone to use and, and build games or you can build anything in it now, right? Visualizations like VR, all types of stuff. Sure. Yeah. Back then it was a little more rudimentary, you know, and crude and just sort of had to like hack around to figure things out, which to me was like super fun. You know, yeah. that was like what I was into sort of, taking apart software and figuring out how to put it back together and create new things. But that sort of led me into, you know, Hey, we can make our own levels for this game. So we download Maya, we download Photoshop and we just start like making crazy shit, you know, um, 
all night, like get home from work at five, you know, we'd be up till, you know, four or five the next morning, just, you know, creating stuff just all night. Right. That's right. It was like that spark. And once I figured that out, like I didn't really play video games after that. I just, you started making them made stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Like not even games as much like games was the gateway yeah. to me getting these tools. But then after that, it was just creating all sorts of weird things. And, you know, uh, I found this community on deviant, uh, called deviant art. Right. Yeah. Uh, have you heard of that? Yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. <laughs> it was much bigger sort of back, back then, back in the golden uh, days think, of the internet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of the communities were like that, where it just felt, it felt new, exciting, right? Yeah. Uh, everyone was, was kind of just making new stuff. Like you'd never seen like just people making a crazy 3d renders. Right. Um, you know, it's so like you take it for granted today, like you scroll on Instagram or Twitter and it's just like every other person's posting like a 3d render of something. Right. Back then it was, it was crazy because you knew how, how much it really took to get that thing made right you had to model it you had to texture it by hand add all the lighting and do, there's like so much that you had to do yeah um but yeah and, and then once i found that community it just like took me off in a whole new direction of like i spent all my time outside of work you know either on deviant art creating stuff talking to artists like i never really had that connection that type of connection before for sure and it was, it was, you know, very sort of uplifting. You yeah. Know? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm, I'm curious about kind of like your day to day, uh, and your, and your habits. Do you have any, um, tricks or routines that get you in, in the, uh, in the creative mindset? Um, I read on your bio on your website that you kind of just, you just come home after work and you make art or if you, I guess maybe, you know, there's a lot, maybe this is like four questions in one, but maybe you're staying home now because of COVID. Um, I don't know, but yeah, just, just maybe talk about like a routine or two that helps you, uh, feel creative. Yeah, for sure. Um, so like, if you look at my Instagram feed, it's all art, right? Right. But if you look at my calendar for every day, it's very different. So, you know, uh, I have a family, I have two kids, I have a full-time day job. So I have to have, like every day is almost the same for me, right? Yeah. There's yeah. a very sort of rigid routine that I go through every day. For sure. For better or worse, right? I mean, it is what it is. And so. Yeah, I mean, I, I think routine is helpful like healthy rhythms are yep. are kind of key in a lot of ways yeah and that's and i really think that you know sometimes i i get a little down about that right because i'm just going through these motions all these things that i feel like i have to do throughout the day to that little sort of slice of the day where i get to sort of create art mm -hmm. but you know it makes it that more sweet honestly um but like if we could go through like an average day for me, it's basically wake up like six 30, um, get the kids ready, eat breakfast, go. Now that I'm working from home, I go straight into work pretty much. Yeah. Um, and you know, 
when I'm working from home, I would, you know, have to drive into Austin. Right. So that'd be like 30, 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, but now just kind of work straight all the way through, um, until, you know, five or six, uh, you know, have dinner with kids, hang out with kids for a few hours and put the kids in bed. Mm-hmm. And then sort of that's when, you know, I get sort of my time to do whatever, right. Create or, um, it's usually creating or working on side projects or, you know, businesses or whatever, yeah. you know, I've got like, honestly, too many things probably going on at the same time, but, um, sort of that time, you know, in the evenings is, is what, what I carve out to, um, to do anything that I really need to do or want to do during the day. Um, you know, it's usually, you know, I want to either create something artwork, the stuff that I post on Instagram, you know, I try to do that every day because it's, it's such a release for me, honestly. Yeah. You know, after having, you know, all those responsibilities through the day. Um, and, you know, my job is somewhat, pro- you know, programming is, is creative. It's very yeah. mentally draining though. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and for me, you know, towards the end of the day, you know, I'm already tired. Um, and being able to sort of turn on like a different mode and it goes back to music really. Like if I sit down, I put headphones on, I listen to something, it's, it's usually a trigger for me to, to sort of get back into that, um, sort of creative flow. Right. Yeah. And and just the repetition, like over the past, you know, five or six years of doing that constantly, consistently, really, you know, every day, it's not, it's not a chore like for me, like when I get to that period where it's time for me to create, like I'm, I'm hyped up. You know, I'm ready. Yeah. Like it's been a long day. I'm tired. This is like, you know, uh, I've, you know, I've heard other artists you know, on here talk about, like, it's like a meditation, right? It's, it's kind of a, a release of some sort. And, and that's truly what it is for me. You know, Yeah. I don't, I don't do any like sketching or preparation. It's really just sit down, <laughs> you know, <laughs> put the headphones on and just let it go. You know, yeah. a lot of my artwork, if you look at it, if you scroll my Instagram feed, it's, it's very similar, right? It's geometric, it's abstract, it's a little psychedelic. Um, so there's, there's kind of a pattern there. Sure. And for me that helps, right? Because I have a, I have a limited time to, to create each day. Right. Yeah. So if I'm sitting trying to figure out what to do for 30 minutes and then sort of poking at it for a little bit, like that eats up my entire yeah. you know, amount of time that I have. So, right. right. Uh, it's right. like, I got to jump head first in. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about having constraints, um, or deadlines even <clears throat> like I've noticed I have a deadline right now on a painting and by the way, my life is very different than yours. Uh, I have a dog and that's about where my responsibilities end. And, uh, so, but, but I'm coming to learn like slowly over time that like having a a routine or some, you know, framework at least for your day and making sure you, you're, you're hitting the things that you need to hit at the right time 
And when you're done, you're done. And when you start, like you were just saying, it's super important that you just, just start, you know? And, uh, and I think that before, before I really was just like a full-time artist, the part of the dream was that like, oh, I'll have all day to make art. And then you sort of realize that, um, that even with the small amount of responsibility that I have, uh, things still come up and you still have to do kind of like logistical or administrative stuff. Um, and it's good to, to separate those things, you know? And so that when you're, when you step up to, to create something or sit down, uh, there it is. And, and you just have your, your time carved out. Um, you're mentioning music is it. Yeah. I, I have to agree with you on that. Like it's so there's something when I just, when you just hear a beat or like a song that you've loved for so long that, that just like zones you in. Um, so what, what kind of, uh, you, you kind of mentioned some, some, uh, bands and artists earlier. Um, who are you really into right now? So, I mean, it's, it's still all over the place. Um, like I guess depending on what mood I'm in or, um, you know, I think for me, uh, when I'm creating, it, it's a lot of sort of electronica music, mm-hmm. um, you know, stuff like Tycho, you know, along that lines of, um, doesn't have to be instrumental, but, you know, very sort of fluid and, and, um, you know, it just sort of lets your mind wander. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's not directing you in a certain place, but it sort of just puts you in the right, um, you know, mindset or it's like a vibe, right. Yeah. Um, for your mind. Um, so it, it's mostly like electronic music right now. Um, like wave, which is kind of like, um, trap and electronics sort of mixed. Sure. It's just yeah. got these like real funky beats, you know, mm-hmm. that just, um, like for me, if you look at my artwork, like a lot of that style, uh, I think comes through in it. Um, cause that's sort of, you know, Tycho, uh, Scott Hansen, sort of the guy behind Tycho. He's a, he's a visual artist as well. Right. If you look at a lot of his stuff, you can kind of see comparisons in some of the stuff that I do. It's very geometric and, you know, I think there's something there in that music that like is driving that, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's very strange to sort of try to describe it. Right. Cause yeah. you're just sort of in the moment and, and doing things and it, it just sort of like, you know, you just go off and, and create sort of on that, you know, same frequency. Yeah. Do you have any, uh, do you have any visual artists, um, who influenced or, or maybe inspired you or still do? Yeah. Again, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place here. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I started off in 3d art, you know, making sort of high resolution models and, you know, very sort of Pixar-esque type things. Right. Uh, which is very different from the style that I, that I create now, but I still have a love for sort of all of those things. Um, as well as, you know, traditional artists, like you, like 
I have your painting right behind me that, you know, I commissioned. Uh, Thank you. And, By the way, again. Yeah, of course. And, and that's, you know, to me, it's, it's kind of like the music where I like all these different styles. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, you know, I, I'm not going to shout out any one person, right. Cause it's sure it's sort of a melding of all these, you know, people I think and where that inspiration comes from. Um, you know, for me, it's, it's all over the place, right. If you look at, I mean, a lot of my work is used for album covers and I think that's, that comes from, you know, my inspiration from music. Yeah. You know, growing up looking at these vinyl covers, like Pink Floyd, Zeppelin, and um, sort of all these like really classic, iconic um, uh, pieces of artwork, right? right? That are on vinyl covers. And if you look at a lot of my stuff now, I think a lot of that comes, like people have compared you know, my work to like the Journey album covers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah and totally. I think it's it totally works. Like I'm not sitting down taking that as reference or inspiration, but... right. I think just growing up, seeing those things, you know, they are things that sort of stuck in my mind as, wow, this is badass or this is cool, so cool. And then once I actually started creating myself, right, those things just start to come out, right? Because you have like a a language, like a visual language that, that you um, can really tap into, like yeah, things that you love just over the years. And for me, you know, I'm not young anymore, right? Mm-hmm. I'm middle age, you know? And so I've had a lot of time to sort of absorb all of these things, have a lot of different experiences. Uh, and, you know, they just sort of come together into, I think this, the artwork that I create now is just really a melding of all of those things, right? Yeah. It's like, if you, it's got these sort of retro video game vibes, album covers, all sorts of other like, psychedelic trippy type, um, you know, imagery, you know, things that I've just over the years been drawn to. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I've just taken pieces of those and tried to push them into, you know, something new. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, that's kind of, that's kind of what the artist is, right? You go around, you live your life, you absorb all these things and then you, you reformulate them, uh, when you, when you have a blank canvas or, a you know, a, a guitar in front of you or whatever, you're, you're drawing on your experience and you're sort of reorganizing all the things that you have experienced to sort of point to what it's like to be experiencing life as like an individual, you know, yourself. Um, but have you ever thought about like where ideas come from or like maybe like what's your, what's your overall take on just the fact that we're having an experience all the time? I know that's a pretty broad question. So yeah, man, we're getting deep here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, it, I mean, it's one of those things that you can sort of sit and ponder on. Right. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's the other thing, right. That's an idea in of itself. Um, <laughs> to, to me, yeah, totally. like, um, never ends. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
sort of ideas for creating artwork for me, you know, to get specific, um, mm -hmm. you know, like I said, I don't really wait for that idea. It's, it's more of just an in the moment type thing. Um, I think where, you know, where I've sort of struggled in the past is, is pinpointing those ideas. Um, like if I get, if I have a client who is wanting to do something very specific, right. I can sit down and sort of sketch out, you know, designs or whatever you want to call those ideas for things, mm -hmm. you know, all day, but it's, I have no idea where those come from. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for me, it's like that point of when I'm doing something, you're not conscious of where that thought is coming from. Right. Right. Cause you're doing something. Uh, but, you know, I think, you know, it, it goes back to your experiences, like things that you've done, you know, how else would you know to have an idea about something, right? right. Yeah. That's something before that had um, somehow like put that seed in your mind somewhere. Yeah. Kind of like inception, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just having these millions of thoughts sort of going into your mind, sort of planting all these seeds over the years. And then sometime later in the future, you come back to it when you're sort of tasked with doing something where you're just sitting thinking, right? I know a lot of people say they'll just get ideas, right? You're in the shower and like something pops up. I'm like, oh, wow, that's crazy. Where did that come from? Right. But, you know, I think it's just sort of, a, you know, all of your experiences and things that you've sort of thought about in the past sort of sitting there, right? Churning and, you know, maybe they're interacting with each other without you knowing, yeah. you know, sort of combining. Yeah, um, yeah. And then when you come back to sort of pick one of those ideas out, they're sort of there, right? Yeah. Well, that was that, yeah, man, that was a great illustration of that. I, I think you explained that really well. And yeah, I think that that's kind of how it is. You know, there's some sort of like, like something had to cause that. What it is, we may never be conscious of or aware of, but there's so many... To me, it's, it's, I feel like thoughts or, or thought energy, whatever you want to call it, brain electricity is, it just happens and our conscious mind picks up on it and sometimes it'll parse it into like a visual representation or for other people it's words or for other people it might be a feeling, but I think we're picking up on all that maybe subconsciously, uh, all the time. And yeah, I love the, I love the analogy of like the seeds and like things just growing. And then you, you kind of become aware of it again. And you're like, Oh, that's a, that's a tree. Wow. And it's this fully formed idea. I, yeah. I think that was a great illustration. So thanks for, thanks for that. Yeah. And, I, and, and one thing I don't do this, but mm -hmm. I think it would probably be, be useful. And I know a lot, a lot of people that do do this mm -hmm. 
they write these things down, right. As they're experiencing, you know, people that journal a lot, yeah, they say that this is like hugely beneficial. This is sort of something that, you know, I've wanted to do and I've kind of like dabbled a little bit sometimes, but you know, I think if you're consistent about that sort of gathering those ideas, that sort of even plants those seeds even further. Yeah. Uh, sort of as you have them or, after you experience something, you know, you journal about it, write it down. Mm-hmm. It'll, it cements those sort of thoughts a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people who do like morning, morning journaling, uh, just kind of when they wake up, some, sometimes it'll be about dreams. Other times it'll just be about what has happened recently. And I mean, I got to say that I, I don't do it very much, uh, like you, but, um, I think that writing things down really helps kind of organize your mind, I guess. And it's, it's super helpful tool because there's a lot of things rattling around in there for everybody. And I think it's definitely like a mentally healthy practice to do, but like as an artist, I also kind of get the feeling that like maybe like my journaling is painting and your journaling is, is sitting down at the end of the day and creating awesome digital artwork. So it's kind of like kind of little snapshots of, of points or weeks, days in your life that you can look back on and, you know, maybe it'll spark a memory of like, Oh, this is kind of where I was at then. Oh, for sure. I mean, and to me, like if I scroll back on my Instagram feed and I sort of look at that artwork, I can tell, you know, um, you know, if there's a lot of dark imagery for, you know, a few weeks, it's like, you know, I was going through a rough patch there and just a lot of the artwork I was creating was darker. Yeah. Right. It, it's pretty, pretty crazy how to sort of have that history, um, there, you know, um, you know, Instagram, good or bad, you know, people can sort of discuss that or whatever. But mm-hmm. for me, it's, it's been, you know, it's been hugely beneficial as far as sure sort of documenting my work. And like you said, that's a journal, right. <laughs> those are things that I've sort of created, you know, almost every day. Uh, and I can go back and sort of see sort of sort of pull out, like what was my mindset back then? What did I comment on this? You know, did I make some like snarky comment in the, <laughs> in the description or was it all happy? Did I have like a cool quote? Was I feeling inspired? That sort of thing. Um, you know, so it's been like a, a good record, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you you mentioned kind of kind of looking at that and seeing like more lighter times, more darker times. Do you have any strategies or or ways that you you handle uh adversity or just things getting kind of kind of tough? Yeah, and so for me because I have so much going on. Yeah. Uh, I struggle with this a lot, you know, honestly, Mm -hmm. uh, because, and this is something I've learned sort of fairly recently that, you know, anxiety can come out of just having too many things to do. Right. You filled your life with things. Um, and then you don't really have enough time to focus on each one. And then you feel like, Oh man, I should be focusing on this. And then you just continue on that cycle, right? It's just a cycle of sort of getting down on yourself and yeah, feeling like you're in a bad place when 
not really. You know what I mean? Like, this is just sort of a, a bad patch. Um, you know, one thing I would say is like, if you can talk to somebody, therapist, or whatever, like for me, that has been like hugely beneficial. For sure. Just sort of having someone who's like not in your close circle that you can talk to. I know, especially sort of like during the pandemic, this has been huge. You know, a lot of people have been struggling with this and, um, you know, you hear from therapists where like they have so many clients now just because everyone's struggling with, you know, whether it be, you know, like for me, because I'm always home, I can always kind of work, Yeah. you know, your employer tends to sort of take advantage of that, you know, slacking you at nine 30 at night saying, Hey, can you look at this? And, you know, it just leads to, to your time getting eaten up, you know, yeah. doing things that you don't necessarily want to be doing. <laughs> um, but, you know, like I said, talk to somebody if you can. Like, for me, that has been hugely beneficial. Just having somebody to sort of guide you a little bit, saying sometimes you can just step back, notice how you're feeling, right? If you're feeling super anxious or bummed out or whatever, you probably need to take a step back, right? Yeah. And like not do what you were about to go do or get off social media for a bit or something, you know, right. sort of, and just be very conscious of sort of the things that you're doing uh, and just have a look, right? And for me, it was, it's really just sort of look at what I'm doing. Like, am I trying to do too many things during the day? Am I trying to sort of, have I taken on too much? Yeah. Do I need to step back from anything? Um, it's really just being mindful of the things that you're doing and recognizing sort of the feelings. Like for me, there's a lot of sort of anxious feelings. Like I know now that I know how to like detect it, Yeah, that is a trigger for me to say, okay, you know, why am I feeling like this? You know, whether I'm getting like, you know, I feel warm or hot or, you know, I'm very I'm tapping my leg like really fast, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, everyone, you know, has different sort of symptoms, but what has been pretty cool for me is to be able to detect those things. Right. And that's like a trigger to step back a little bit, maybe take the evening off. Yeah. Don't do anything. Go hang out with my kids or whatever. Cause that's always like just brings everything anxiety down right totally i can just forget it like be a kid right i can play nintendo with my son or just hang out and chill or play nice. basketball or whatever you know right, yeah <laughs> that's that's kind of like saying just go do something else right yeah um sort of get your mind out of that that rut that it's in in that moment yeah yeah i think it's really easy to get caught up in feelings because it's a literal physiological response that you, if you keep, it's kind of like a scab. If you keep picking at it or you, you're, you're just, all you can feel is that then it just perpetuates more of the same thing. But I really liked what you said about being, being able to detect it. That's a, that's, I like that word detect. Um, because yeah, I think that, our minds get out in front of us. Right. And we're like, Oh, I got to do this thing. But if you bring it back to, you know, what you're experiencing here in your body, you start there and then you can proceed forward. Um, you got to check in kind of, kind of all the time. 
And, and all the things you just said kind of reminded me um, of just sort of like basic meditation practice. Uh, do you practice that? I have off and on. Yeah. Um, I don't currently. <clears throat> um, I've heard other artists say this, like their artwork when they're doing that is their meditation. Yeah. For me, I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when I have in the past, it has actually been very helpful, <laughs> you know, totally. um, it could be additionally helpful for me, <laughs> uh, now I just, yeah, you know what I mean? You're busy. Yeah. It's something that it, it's, it goes back to the same thing. Like you have too many things, but in reality, if you feel like, you know, you're sort of spinning out of control, or you, you know, you're feeling very anxious. Maybe that is the time to start sort of doing that. Totally. You know, taking the time, whether it's five or 10 minutes to do that, you know, <clears throat> I feel like I haven't necessarily needed it. Right. You know, for me, when I've used it, it's when I've sort of felt really bad, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, I need to try to do anything I can do to get out of this, yeah. you know? Um, and it's, it's definitely helped, you know? Sure. I, I, I'm not like a meditation guru or anything. I just <laughs> sure. use like the Headspace app, you know? Yeah, yeah. Which, which is pretty simple and, and it, it's really helpful in sort of teaching you how to just sort of sit, you know? and listen to your breath, you know, for 10 minutes or whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, love it. Love it. Um, so I want to pivot real quick, um, and talk about video games because on your, on your bio, on your website at, uh, what is it? Mattmillsart.com. Mattmillsart.com. Uh, on your bio there, you talk about, working briefly with Disney on, um, on a video game. Can you describe what you were doing there? And maybe I I want people, um, and and maybe I'm kind of talking to like a former version of myself. Um, but I want people to understand like the massive amount of collaboration and, and artistry that goes into making even one video game. Yeah. So this, this, we should start with sort of how I got there. Yeah. Um, we, we sort of talked about going through college, just getting like a regular job and discovering creating artwork after work. <clears throat> sort of what that led to was just me creating every day after work, you know, I would come off of work, grab a six pack, mm-hmm. sit, you know, sit down on my computer, just create all night. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of what that led to is me, putting together this body of work at that time, you know, I was young and I didn't really understand what I was doing. I was just creating a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and having deviant art there is like, this is kind of your portfolio. Yeah. You know, I didn't realize that at the time I was just like uploading artwork to this website, yeah. you know? And what that led to was other people seeing it. And, you know, somebody had contacted me, from a local 3d users group here in Austin mm-hmm. uh, after seeing my artwork on DeviantArt, and they're like, Hey, we have this group for Maya users. We just get together at this pub and people show their art. We talk about 3d. And I was like, okay, that sounds rad. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm going to go do that. Uh, and so I went like, the first time I was there, they made me get up in front of everybody. And like, <laughs> I, had, I had a USB drive with all my artwork on it. 
I plugged it in. I'm like fumbling with the computer up there, super nervous. There's like all these industry professionals there, like <laughs> wow. 3D artists and, you know, you know, texture paint, you know, painters and, and all sorts of things. I didn't really know it at the time, but these people, you know, the people that had gotten up before me, they were making like legitimate video games, yeah. right? At big studios and stuff. And I'm just like this, you know, 20 something year old kid making stuff, you know, at night. Yeah. Um, but what came out of that is as we're walking out of that meeting, one of the guys comes up to me and was like, Hey, you ever thought about working in video games? I was like, I hadn't honestly really thought about it up to that point. I was just creating shit, you know? Yeah, I was yeah. like, um, I didn't, at that point, I didn't fully realize that there were, it was somebody's job to sit there and make this video game. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's It sounds weird now, but at the time, you know, I played video games for years and years, right? Mm-hmm. It never really clicked to me that there was a whole office full of people sitting there right. putting this entire thing together. A video game is basically software, right? Sure. But there's so many aspects to it. So this is what happened is, you know, I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Gave my email address. A couple of days later, I get an email from HR lady at uh, a local studio here in Austin, a video game studio. Uh, at the time it was called Junction Point. It was run by a guy named Warren Spector, who is pretty big in sort of the video game industry. Mm-hmm. Made some some classic games like uh, Deus Ex, mm. Wing Commander. <clears throat> and so he had started a studio, a small studio here in Austin um, that ended up being acquired by Disney uh, to make a Disney video game. So apparently Warren was, was really big into Disney. Uh, has like tons of Disney memorabilia growing up loving Disney. And so he had pitched them with this video game uh, about Mickey who goes into a wasteland basically a a land of discarded Disney rides, discarded (laughs) Disney characters. It was all like melted and painted and sort of like steampunky. Nice. And so they called me in for an interview. (laughs) Uh, And it was kind of surreal at the time, you know, Mm -hmm. walking in and sort of just sort of seeing, it was like in this very, just random office building out in North Austin, mm-hmm. like nothing fancy. There was like 20, 20 people sort of crammed in this office, just sitting there. It was all dark, like all the lights are off. And I walk in, they sit me in this like tiny conference room and <clears throat> I'm sitting there sort of feeling way out of place. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just this guy making art sort of in the evenings. I went to school to be a, a programmer and, um, but it's Disney, you know, and I'm like, yeah. I cannot pass this up. So I go in and, you know, they look through all my stuff and um, sort of at the end, like, you know, we don't really have any art positions for you right now. Mm-hmm. Cause they were still like very small. Cause there was like 20 people there. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, we like you. We like what you're creating. And you have all of this other, you have this skill set. you know, that's yeah. very valuable, right. Creating, you know, software and you know back then i was doing a lot of websites right? right doing wordpress and flash websites 
so I had pretty good background in that. So that was kind of my day job. And so they offered me a position sort of in their ID de- IT department to come in, rebuild their website, design their logo, do, do stuff like that. Right. Um, with the option to move into an artist role, right? That was sort of the handshake deal, right? I, I should have gotten that in writing. But, For sure. Uh, uh, how old but, how know, old were you at this point man I was, I was maybe like 28 yeah yeah maybe maybe a little younger um and so yeah i got i took the job you know i was like i can't pass this up you know this, totally. is, this is almost too good to be true and so i get there and yeah you know they're working on this game called epic mickey kind of described it just a second ago but it's like this big sort of like Mickey finds his like long lost brother Oswald. And, um, you know, there's this dystopian like Disney world where Mickey has a paintbrush where he like flings paint on things to sort of make them appear or bring them back to life. Right. Mm-hmm. Sounds crazy, but like I walked into that office and there was paintings and sketches all over the walls. They have concept artists there, mm-hmm. guys that are using pencils like you wouldn't necessarily think that, you know, the artists for video games would just be using like traditional um, tools to sort of make the concepts for these. But yeah, yeah, a lot of these guys were just sort of using those because that was sort of how they could right, get into the flow, right? Just take out a pencil and just like sketch this crazy, um, you know, basically level. They would take Mickey and sort of put him in these crazy places and design all the characters and worlds. Um, so sort of leads into to what your question where they have like concept artists there, the guys who just paint either it's, it's mostly digital now, right? They have like their sure. big antiques, uh, where in Photoshop, they sort of paint out these just amazing worlds. I mean, it, it comes back to like your painting that you did for me, it's stuff like that, you know, nice. They, cre- they create sort of the vibe of a level. Yeah. Imagine your character sort of walking into a level and they just see this huge expanse. Yeah. So you can think like Disney is color everywhere, you know, just crazy splashes of paint. And it's pretty insane sort of the stuff that they were doing um, back then. Um, you can look into like Jordan Lamar Wayne. Um, he's one of the artists. Um, AJ Trahan was another one that I can remember. Sam Yates. Like a lot of these guys were just creating insane like artwork. Sean Melkor, I think, is another one. Um, I'm leaving out names here, but um, yeah. you guys can sort of look up the, the Epic Mickey concept artist. Um, so did the game get yeah, released? I mean, yeah. So you can. Nice. It's, it was for the Nintendo Wii. It's called Epic Mickey. And then there's an Epic Mickey 2 that we did before they shut the studio down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> after the second one but but yeah it's like those concept artists basically create sort of the visual world right and then they then you have like the 3d modelers who take that picture and make 3d models out of that you have guys who just like paint the textures they'll take those raw 3d models and just create paint the textures like hand paint you know in there in photoshop all the textures for these things. Wow. Um, put them together. Character artists, right? The guys who have to animate these and rig all of the 3D models that move around. Um, programmers, like there's 
incredibly talented programmers like in video games like people that like smarter than i have ever people that like some of the smartest people i've talked to are some of these programmers for video games because you know if you think about all the things that they have to do in a video game like all of that has been programmed right like like, like the if x then y or z and then if z kind of like that yep probability yep, so. tree or, or whatever you want to call it Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So just extremely complex um, programming, you know, and there's designers who take all of that stuff and like put them in the game engine, <clears throat> right. And say like, when somebody walks here, trigger this thing to happen, yeah. you know, yeah. there's UI artists, people who just do like the buttons that you click on, right. To get to the menus and all that stuff, mm-hmm. the audio guys, you know, people have to make this game had amazing like sound, um, Matt Pearsall's sort of, um, it does a lot of the audio for, you know, some of these like massive video games. And so he worked on that. Um, there's a bunch of other audio guys, uh, Bill Munyon, I think was another one uh, who did a lot of this audio work that goes with all of that. Right. And then there's all sorts of other people right at the studio, like me, tech guys, I was making websites. I was, um, making tools for all the artists, right? When they create art, it has to go into like a source control thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm like writing scripts for all of that, as well as like, it was a very, we had a very small like IT team. There's like basically two of us for mm-hmm. a studio that grew up to like over 200 people, I think. Wow. So it's kind of, you know, it's like a startup, like you're doing everything. Yeah. yeah. You know? yeah. I'm like there late at night, taking computers, people's computers off the racks and like, fixing them and you know, giving them additional hardware. You know, we had like producers there, the people who just like try to make sure everything gets done on time in the right order. Yeah. Right. So there's all sorts of like management that has to go into this. And with video games, there's like, there's a release date, right? Yeah. So big deadline. <laughs> yeah. And, and so that leads to a lot of, and this is sort of one of the downsides that I, that I really was kind of eye-opening to me, right? Not just the, the amount of talent that is in these studios and the amount of work that goes into video games. Yeah. The amount of work leads to like long hours, right? Sure. So, and with these deadlines, it's like when things are coming up, they call it crunch time in video games where, you know, we had t- days where people were working, you know, pretty much all day. I don't know. 18 hours or whatever, you know, they were there into the, into the wee hours of the morning, mm-hmm. you know, working. <clears throat> and, you know, that is one of the, the downsides to sort of being in that industry. There are places where it's better. Yeah. And places where it's worse. Right. It mm-hmm. Sort of depends on where you're at. I went to another studio after sort of Disney the studio was shut down called certain affinity, which is an independent uh, game developer here in Austin. Um, and they had, a, you know, it seemed like they had a lot of that sort of figured out, like the production timelines and all this stuff where there was a lot less of that sort of severe crunching. Yeah. Yeah. Highly talented people, you know, putting things sort of doing them in the right order, good management, right? Like Max Hoberman was the, was the head of that studio. He was one of the, the original, um, designers on the halo games oh is he um 
what's he got does he have an instagram is he like a concept artist or no 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 max is not he's more like a a designer (laughs) there's some somebody on instagram called like the reason i thought of this is i think they sort of have similar sounding names but like i can't i i'm gonna mess it up but it's like hobarth or something like that Anyway, um, Sparth, maybe? Sparth, yes, 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 okay. he's an amazing artist. Yes, Sparth, uh, thank you. Artist, Saved yeah. my ass there. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you um, just start talking, and you don't know where you're going, and you're just like, I'm gonna throw out a sound real quick. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. I'm here yeah. to, to catch those sounds. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, video games, man, it, yeah. that is is like amazingly inspiring as far as like. The people that I met during that period in my life, like it sort of just showed me like the amount of talent that is out there. And that's honestly, this is sort of the point in my career that I, that I tend to go back on with regret now, mm. sort of not going into that artist role. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I did have options to do that at times, you know, I probably could have done that, but um you know, and this, maybe we should discuss this because I think maybe a lot of people go through this as well. Like yeah, making that decision to do what you really are into or, or are passionate about, right. Whether that's art or whatever, or sort of take like a safer path. Yeah. Right? And for me at that time, once I saw sort of all of that, sort of like the downsides, right. The crunch time, like the stress the no sleep lots of stress you know people getting divorced and just all this like crazy stuff i'm like man and i and this is like when i was i just got married right we're about to have a kid like we had uh, my daughter while i was working uh at disney and like her name is in the credits they did like a you know uh an epic mickey sort of babies uh (laughs) section in the credits and so people who had babies during then their kids got the name their names in there (laughs) which is pretty awesome honestly (laughs) yeah sweet Um, but yeah it was like a weird time for me like when you have kids it's like it's 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 almost like a weight you know you feel like and i have this responsibility now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and for me it just made more sense right i i had a good background in tech already you know I love sort of working at the video game studio. It was more the people, right? Not necessarily sort of what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. Because I was, you know, working on IT stuff and building websites. Yeah. Nothing hugely exciting, right? But, um, you know, at that time, it was like, it seemed like the right choice, you know? Yeah. I'm having a family. You know, there's this kind of... an artist typically don't get paid a lot. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's true. It's it, it's just how it is, you know, however yeah. unfortunate that is. I think that's inc- like incredibly backwards in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. I think you, I think if you're talented enough and you put in hard enough work and those are two big ifs, by the way, um, you'll go, you know, you may go a while without, getting paid enough and then you get paid just enough and then the you know like right now i'm maybe a little bit past just enough you know what i mean i'm living like pretty comfortably like life's pretty great right now but i definitely went through 
years where I financially I just ate shit, dude. Like, and, (laughs) and I like quit my, you know, menial job like way too early. And, um, but kind of getting back to what you were talking about, like you said, you sort of regret not taking that, that, or going for that artist's role in, in maybe the video game industry or, um, you know, designing stuff for video games. I think there's pros and cons to that. You know what I mean? Like there's something to be said about making art just for you. You know what I mean? That makes it a lot more pure, um, a lot more enjoyable. I think if you're not having to worry about like, will this sell? I think that takes the pressure off of, off of you. And and you're able to just create something that will sell, which is such a weird paradox, right? Like, and I mean, I actually, I don't know how I do it, but I do some sort of mental gymnastics and I'm like, I don't care if this sells, you know, and that's my trick, which I can't explain, but there, I have been in the past caught up in like, oh, like, I have like I have to pay my bills with this painting that's incomplete right now. And so I need to either rush it or do something that's not natural to me and so therefore it comes off as kind of, you know, like in you can get really in your head about all this stuff is is what I'm trying sure. to say. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And that's and when I say I regret, it's it's that sort of being in my own head thing, right? Sure, yeah. The days that I'm sort of just sitting at my computer fixing bugs. Like I work for a a very large corporation. I work on a application that processes billions of dollars worth of, you know, product a year. Oh wow! So it's a very high impact job, stressful. Um, and so when I have bad days, those are the days where I sort of go back and like, man, would this be better if I was just sitting, you know, working on a video game, you know, with cool people, um, and, you know, but to your point, there's that other side, right? It's like the, the devil's advocate that I'm, that for me is, has been a balancing act totally. and maybe that's why it's worked for me because, mm-hmm. you know, there's always that struggle, you know, because I have my day job. Sometimes I get stressed. Yeah. To your point, I can go in the evening, just make something to make something. Right. You know, and it's, I don't have a, like, I don't do a lot of client work anymore because of that. Yeah. Because there are requirements, like they want what they want, not yeah. necessarily what I want to make. Right. Yeah, yeah. And with that little amount of time I have, I have to be very protective of that. And so what's sort of come out of that is where I just make what I want to make, you know, I want to make something cool, but I love, you know, what I like turns out other people like that, you know, I've sold, you know, over 400 pieces of, you know, artwork. Like that's no, like that's no number to sort of stick at, you know, shake a stick at. Right. Right. That's a lot of artwork that, you know, that I wasn't necessarily expecting, right. uh, To happen. But I think that comes out of just sort of making what you want to make. Right. Absolutely. Um, it's like putting all of yourself into it. Like we discussed before, like all of your experiences, 
um, over time, your interests, the things that you like, and just putting it out there. Mm-hmm. And it sort of draws other people in that are into those same things. You exactly. Know? If you look at the people that are following me on Instagram or Twitter, it's like all people that I would just hang out with. You know what I mean? Totally. Uh, and so I think sort of if you're creating something that is like pure and is sort of who you are, it attracts people that are like you. Yeah. Right? yeah. Which, is, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And, um, yeah, kind of to circle back to the point about keeping the artwork or the process of making art pure, I think it's, I just want to put this little disclaimer in here. I think it's like everybody's situation is so completely unique that whoever is listening to this, if you're having, if you're like, Oh, I resonate with that because this, this, and this, it's like, you have to just make the decision based on your own unique situation. Like, like you did. And like I have, and like any artist will. And the, I think the takeaway there is that you're never gonna, there, you're never going to have a frictionless life just because you decide to do a thing that you love. Right. Whether, whether it's, for you know for like professionally or as like i mean i consider you a professional artist you know what i mean even though it's not your full-time job big air quotes there um and, and so like whether you are you have declared like you're a professional artist or that it's just something on the side that you do for fun like it'll it'll help you in a lot of ways but you can't expect like your troubles to be over just because you're out there like pushing colors around on a canvas or a digital screen. Um, so yeah, I just wanted yeah. to get that in there. Oh, absolutely. And and this is sort of one of the reasons I, I like don't give a lot of advice, right? Because everyone's <laughs> situation is so different, right? Yeah. yeah. What I went through to get to where I am is vastly different from what other people are going through or have gone through, you know, I think by telling my story, you know, it could be useful for people to sort of pick pieces out of that. Totally. But like, if you go on Twitter, people are always sort of posting, you know, like you should do this or do this. Don't do that. Right. Yeah. The self-help industry is pretty huge. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's, you know, some of that could be good if it inspires you, but it can also be, you know, pretty bad for some people. Right. Because they see these things and like, man, I'm not doing that. Yeah. You know, am I, am I, you know, living a shitty life? You know, it makes you sort of question yourself. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, but, but yeah, it's definitely, you know, everyone's situation is, you know, vastly different. Yeah. Um, and you know, even my own situation, like you can't sort of sit back and think, man, my life would be totally different if I had done that. Right. Right. If I had become a 3d artist, I'd be doing game studio, you have no idea what that would have done. Right. Right. Like you, you can't sort of sit back and, and have regret on that situation. Right. Totally. It got me to where I am. I can sort of use that. Yeah. Um, and I do sometimes where, you know, you can use that as fuel in the future, you know, like Absolutely. if you have regret about this thing, we'll just keep making art. Right. Totally. Keep creating things do something a little differently or just, just keep going right. Without sort of dwelling on yeah. uh, that situation. And that's, 
that comes with age, I think as well, you know, that's one thing that I've just recently sort of come to understand. There used to be a lot of friction there, right? Where yeah. I was like, man, I, I really wonder what would happen if I had done that. But um, the other thing is like, it's never too late, right? Totally. If, if there's something in your, you know, for me, this is one of the things that I'm sort of going through now. It's like, I've had this long career in like software. Yeah. The entire time I've been, you know, kind of making art just on the side. You know, there have been periods where I've stopped, you know, for years, um, you know, a couple of years here and there. But but really it's it's just a matter of um sort of just keeping at it. Yeah. Right. Doing what you like. And then just over time, what I'm noticing now is like that's opening up other doors for me. Right. Mm, yeah. By posting my artwork that I like, this introduced me to a whole world of other people. Like, I have a business partner, uh, Mike McKinney, who is uh, my partner in Art Grab. Yeah. I wanted who... to talk to you about Art Grab for sure. Okay. Yeah. Let's jump into that. Yeah. Um, um, so, I guess tell people about Art Grab and talk about licensing art. And I mean, for me, even as well, but for people listening, um, I only know a slight bit about licensing, but I know that it's, it's just like the way if you want to kind of have like some supplemental income, uh, coming in. Yeah. So kind of back to where I was going with that. I think, um, uh, you know, posting my artwork sort of introduced me to these other people <clears throat> and it also, showed me that there were people interested in purchasing my artwork. Yeah. And, and sort of what I was noticing is that these people were using it for album covers. The majority of them were at least. Mm -hmm. And so at that time I had started, I put a section on my website where people could just download the high resolution digital file and I would create a license for them that would give them to rights, the rights to use that artwork. Mm -hmm. uh, as their album cover right yeah because people can't just go to instagram download the artwork on there right mm -hmm. there are copyright laws and all sorts of things right mm -hmm. uh it's not legal right right uh people may do it that's a whole <laughs> other story but yeah uh, definitely not legal um and so once i started doing that uh people started purchasing artwork on my my website um and then just through people that I was connected with on Instagram, other artists, right? Your internet friends, right? You know, people like I never talked to you before, but right. you know, we sort of know each other. We know each other's artwork. I feel like, you know, uh, you kind of know that person. Yeah. Well, there's a sort of like you have your crew or whatever on Instagram, people that always comment on your stuff and, and hype you up. And uh, a couple of them sent me messages about this new website called Art Grab. Uh, and they were looking for artists to sort of come on board, uh, sort of help get that going. Uh, one of those was, his name is Taylene, Jeffrey Thielen. Uh, he's another digital artist. Yeah. Uh, you guys can look him up on Instagram and, uh, Matt Andres, who's a, who's a badass photographer. They had both hit me up and say, Hey, you know, you should talk to, to Mike McKinney. Uh, he's got this website called art grab, uh, where we're sort of selling, uh, or licensing our artwork you know, for you says license cover or album covers or whatever. Uh, Mike goes by the real theory on Instagram. Check him out. He's got like badass uh, artwork as well. Shouts. Um, 
Yeah. And, uh, and so DM'd with him a bit, got on a call, kind of hit it off. You know, we were, we we're on the same page, you know, I was already sort of selling my artwork, licensing my artwork on my own website. He had just started this, um, art grab, um, business. And so, um, sort of got together to discuss things and, and they brought me on board there. Um, and art grab has is owned by 18 artists. So it's, it's artist owned. Nice. Uh, we all have a percentage in the company, uh, some more, some less based on sort of like their involvement in it. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of the initial artists just sort of fronted artwork to seed the platform with, with artwork, um, myself, you know, I'm, I'm now the CTO, uh, of the company, and which means, Oh, go ahead. You're going to explain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's like, if you're in the startup world or, or tech world, CTO, um, you're familiar with that, but it's basically a chief technology officer. Cool. Um, and in a small company like this, that means I do everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I do all the programming. I run all the databases. I run, you know, all of our platform on AWS, um, hook up with all of our third party APIs, um, basically built build out the entire software that runs our grab nice uh, and so i'm also a contributor right i put my artwork there um daily for people to license it and so basically what art grab is it's a website where anyone can go there artists go there and upload their artwork uh, so they have a page every artist has a page there we can go look at their artwork uh, and then any customers, people who need album artwork, they want like an exclusive print. Like you can download this artwork. You're the only person that gets it. You can print it out. Um, uh, people use it for like printing clothing, all sorts of uses that you can sort of use this. Like once you have a license to use something, you can sort of use it for whatever you want. Right. Um, you know, they're, you know, I'm not a lawyer. They're very sort of deep um, legal terms for these things. Yeah. Uh, for us, we tried to make it initially sort of like what we're doing right now is an ex- it's an exclusive license, meaning <clears throat> whoever purchases that license can kind of use it for whatever they want. Yeah. Um, there are other terms, and we may get into this later uh, with our grab, but you know, having um, you know different license price points for, for what you can do with it. Right. Right. If you only want to pay a certain amount to use it for album artwork, you can do that. But if you want to use it for printing t-shirts, you got to pay another fee on top of that or a recurring fee or something like that. It can get very complex for sure. And so what we've done initially is just made it as simple as possible to sort of see if the idea took off and people were interested in that, Mm -hmm. you know, it turns out they are, and, you know, we, over the past years, we've been growing, um, art grab quite a bit. Uh, we have, you know, over 3000 artists have uploaded artwork on our grab. Um, these are mostly digital artists, right? People who work kind of how we do, you know, these are people that we met on Instagram over the past five or six years who are just doing the same thing. Yeah. They all had day jobs or whatever. They were just making the art that they wanted to make. They didn't really have anywhere to sell it you know yeah and and there was this you know from me doing client work with musicians and licensing my own artwork to musicians it felt just like a perfect match right these two things 
you know, there's demand on this side. We know all these artists, we, we can sort of bring the supply from this side, pull those things together. Um, and it's sort of fit. And so that's sort of how we've grown it organically over the past two years. Yeah. Just finding badass artists, people like ourselves and sort of using our entire followings, right? We all sort of retweet and share each other's artwork and that sort of gets it out there in front of other people, Mm -hmm. whoever potential customers are, you know, musicians right now is, you know, they're buying a lot of this artwork for album covers, EP covers. Right. So like we don't do any real marketing. It's all just us sharing our artwork out there. Right. The artwork is the vehicle, you know, for us to sort of get business uh, for art grab, which is, is pretty cool, you know? Um, nice. So, yeah, sweet. Um, so yeah, that reminds me, I mean, like, okay. So the whole licensing thing is, is such a brilliant way, I think for artists to make money. Right. And I, I feel like a lot of artists, myself included, I haven't, haven't really, um, tried or looked into it all that much, but to me, it, it sounds like you make the art one time and with your all's website, which I think is really brilliant. I don't know if there are any other, uh, sites like that out there, but you make the art one time and you put it up and people can pay you just to use it. it I have so many questions, but, um, uh, how did you, how did you, I guess, ex- were you exploring licensing before this? Uh, I mean, I mean, you said you, you said you had worked with some like music clients, but, um, this seems like, so can you license one piece of artwork to multiple different people or entities? So in general, you can, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, on art grab, we, we, our model is more exclusive. So once somebody licenses that artwork, um, nobody else can license that artwork. Ah, uh, okay. Nice. So imagine like for album artwork, typically you don't want somebody else to like have your same album artwork. Right. Um, right. But if it were album artwork for one person and somebody else wanted to use it for something else, would that be, is that kosher or, or is it just one off every single one? So for, for us right now in our grab, it's one off for everyone. Okay. Gotcha. Um, if you would like to do your own licensing, you could set it up sort of however you want, right? You as, as Andrew could, you know, set something up on your website where there are different options, right? Somebody could, could want the exclusivity of this. They will pay more for that. Right. But then they can put it on an album cover, put on a t-shirt, put on a poster, put on whatever. Um, and then, you know, for us, ours is is like straight dead simple right now, uh, which is probably, you know, it may be a little on the, on the, not, I don't want to say bad side, but you know, it's a little worse off for the, for the artist here Mm. because they're sort of getting one payment there. Right, right, right. You know, I think sort of other ways to do this or more complicated ways to do it are to get recurring sort of income from, um, let's say somebody wants to put 
your artwork on t-shirts, right? Yeah. You can work on a deal where you get, you know, 1% of every sale of the t-shirt or whatever the deal is. Right. Right. Um, this is sort of where you get into all the nuanced pieces of this. Um, but like I said, for us, because we're, we're really just sort of testing this idea. Sure. And sort of everyone was telling us, um, sort of all of our connections on the music side, this is sort of what drove our model. You know, they wanted artwork that was affordable. They wanted, you know, to be able to use it for an album cover, for merchandise, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of these are independent musicians. Like, I think that's something that's, that's pretty cool, you know? A lot of the people who are, that are using this artwork, you know, they're not big musicians. They don't have big budgets. Right. Um, and so for us, you know, we're kind of filling their need right now where they can get some really badass artwork affordably and then use it for whatever they need to use it. Um, you know, down the line, I think once, if we expand like our offerings, right, we can improve this by, you know, putting in stipulations where, you know, the artist gets a certain amount of cut right. off of streams on Spotify or number of t-shirts that you sold or posters that you sold off that artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot there, right? Yeah. A lot of different things that you can do. And, and right. we haven't really seen any, any good examples of that, you know, and that's sort of why we created our grab. Um, there's like one or two other sites out there, I think that are doing something kind of similar, mm-hmm. but they're far more complex and far more expensive. And, um, they're a little more out of, out of reach for sort of like your independent musician types and yeah. you know, your smaller record labels. Yeah. So that's a, that's a good PSA for anybody listening who might need album artwork. Uh, go to oh, artgrab.co. Sure. .co. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Nice. I, it also reminds me and you know, I've, this topic has come up for the last like two months now, but I mean, are you, have you taken a look at the NFT space or are you trying to get in on that? What's, what's your overall take on that? I guess. Yeah. I mean, we could go deep on this as far as thoughts go. Right. I yeah, mean, yeah. it's, it's so new and so hyped up right now. Mm-hmm. It's sort of hard to get a good feel on the validity of a lot of this. Right. Um, for me, you know, coming at this from like a business perspective, like this seems pretty too good to be true almost, you know, for me as a technologist, somebody who's a programmer and an artist, it's very intriguing to think about the potential uses of this technology, regardless of sort of there's a lot of like misinformation and people getting, you know, upset about a lot of the NFT stuff right now. Right. Um, because it's so new and people don't really understand a lot of, a lot of it, but I spent you know the past couple of months researching, figuring out sort of how it's really working, you know, you know, trying to dig in as deep as I could, um, you know, before sort of fully jumping in, you know, I was, actually minted my first NFT in 2019. Nice. nice. So in March of 2019. And to me, there was something 
amazing about the idea of having that to me, what really clicked was that sort of secondary sale model. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is, it's not perfect right now. And we can talk about that a little bit, but, um, sort of just the idea when I first heard about this, there were some sites back, back then that had contacted me. One is known origin. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're one of the NFT marketplaces right now. I hooked up with those guys and I put my first piece of artwork on there back in 2019. There was a couple other sites. I think one was rare art, um, that I put artwork on. They're no longer around anymore. Mm-hmm. So I don't have history of that one, but, um, but no Norden was around. They still are around. Yeah. Um, yeah. Their platform is pretty awesome. And it's very sort of art, you know, they support artists very well, um, in my opinion. Uh, but so back in 2019, I sort of heard about this. It was still confusing. Like <clears throat> I had a lot of friends sort of in tech that were talking about Ethereum and Bitcoin and all of this back then. To me, I didn't understand it. Right. Yeah. Um, I was just like, I don't have time for this. I don't care. Seems like a fad. You guys are going to lose all your money, whatever. You know, uh, I had friends like putting the vast majority of their income into Ethereum back then. Um, yeah. Yeah. And for me, I was intrigued, right? Being an artist, you know, sort of it paints this picture of, hey, you know, you're going to put this artwork up here. Somebody's going to purchase it, but then somebody else is going to purchase it and you're going to get a cut of that forever right there's a history that you uploaded this artwork um sort of all tracked on the blockchain um sort of the whole user experience of that was not great back then it's still not great now but yeah just figuring out like how to get a wallet how do i get ethereum how do i get ethereum into my wallet how do i (laughs) sign up for this site yeah like i'm a pretty technical person and if it took me, you know, if, if I was struggling with that, I couldn't imagine any, anyone else being able to do that. Yeah. And like a normal person. Right. And, and at the time I was just like, there's no way anyone is ever going to do this and buy any artwork like this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of just, I actually wrote a blog post back in 2019 about how hyped I was about this. Yeah. Um, and I like wrote out this whole thing about like how I was going to create one artwork that would get unlocked with a new artwork. So anytime it got purchased, the new artwork be, would be unlocked. Nice. And it would sort of drive this whole thing of me like being able to quit my corporate job because I'm <laughs> getting all of this like residual income. And like, that's sort of the hype I think now that people are are buying into, you know? Yeah. And it, it is truly exciting, you know? Yeah. Because yeah, definitely digital artists haven't really had that. That's that. I mean, that's one of the things that led us to create Art Grab because at the time we didn't really have any good sources to sell our artwork. Right. You, know, you can sell prints, but I think everyone knows prints are super hard, right? Yeah. It's hard to make any money. It's just not a good, you know, it's not yeah. a good route. I mean, it hasn't been a good route for me or anyone that I know. You can get some good money from it, but yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's very inconsistent, I found, you know. Yeah, I think it's it's more of an in-person thing. You know, like trying to sell a print online um I've found somewhat difficult um yeah. d- depending on I guess a lot of different things, but uh way easier for me in person for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. 
I think it, a lot of it has to do with, um, uh, not to sidetrack us too much here, but a lot of it has to do with like, usually when I'm selling prints in person, it's at a concert or a festival or something with like music and a big and an atmosphere. And it's the experience of like picking this piece of artwork up and being like, I'm taking it home, you know? Yes. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, continue. Um, so you guys started art grab kind of yeah. with that in mind. With yeah. So this was kind of shortly after that I got introduced to Mike, um, and I sort of went off and did the art grab thing. Um, and just forgot about like crypto art, yeah, NFTs, any of that stuff. Um, and then that's like what I spent my time on. Like my free time, I was working on art grab, building that out, mm-hmm. connecting with other artists and sort of doing that, you know, come, you know, the end of 2000, shit hits the fan, right? Just explosion of like NFT uh, and crypto art. Um, oh, you mean, sorry, you mean 2020, right? 2020, yeah. What did <laughs> yeah, I say? You said 2000. I was like... Ooh, yeah. <laughs> now I go back that far. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, 2020, um, you see this huge influx of sort of these platforms just taking off. Mm-hmm. Um, I, To me, that is a direct correlation to the price of Bitcoin and Ethereum skyrocketing over 2020. Yeah. Because... One of the problems I saw in, in 2019 was there's no money, right? Yeah. Like nobody was buying anything. Um, so, I mean, people may have been, it just, I, I didn't, wasn't, didn't get deep enough into it to really see that, but mm-hmm. you didn't, you weren't seeing people buying things for millions of dollars um, that I'm aware of, you know, at that right. time. Also, so, there's, there's something that I just thought about, like with crypto, you, you know, there's limited, obviously limited number of places to use it, right? Just as a transactional thing in place of, you know, the US dollar or whatever currency. And there's a limit to how much you can take out per day. And when you do take it out of your crypto wallet, that's when you get taxed on it. So I think like, you know, you were talking about the big skyrocket in Ethereum and Bitcoin and all of a sudden a lot of these people of holding a lot of those coins are like, I have more money than I literally know what to do with. And, you know, there's, you can't discount that as a factor in the whole ecosystem of, of what's going on there. I think it's a big factor. I mean, yeah, I don't want to like, you know, put this down at all, but I don't sure. think, this would be happening if that, you know, if the crypto markets did not sort of skyrocket last year, Um, you know, I think everyone, all the artists, you know, in the community sort of like to think that, Hey, we're supporting artists and, you know, we're bringing, you know, smaller artists up, but, and they are absolutely for sure. You know, that's, that's one of the the shining things that's come out of this is just sort of brought all these artists together again to be excited about something. Uh, which has been to me, you know, the really amazing part of that, um, you know, aside from, you know, artists making money or, or any of that, right. It's just the connection and the community aspect of it. Totally. So yeah, it's been, it's been super eye opening, right. And for us from a business sense, you know, it's like, man, do we 
get into this or, you know, it's like mm-hmm. you're, you're sort of like confused, right? It's like such a tidal wave of, of, you know, just information coming in and like, wow, you know, people are putting up this much, you know, amount of money right. for digital artwork. Right. So, you know, one of our business goals is, you know, to be able to support artists, right? So how can we best support artists? So we are definitely sort of in development on things like crypto, you know, in, in the blockchain sort of sphere right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't really talk too much about that. Of course, sure, for but, sure, uh, for sure. Uh, we're definitely sort of looking at it from a lot of different angles. You know, there are already marketplaces out there. Um, so I don't think that is like a very right. like, good model at this point. Like we want to sort of look at it from a different point of view and sort of bring something different to the table with a long-term view on like supporting artists. Right. Cause the two things are kind of different, like licensing artwork versus the NFT collectible totally. world. Yes. Right. Yeah. Cause one is more like a B2B where, you know, somebody's buying this artwork to use for their, like a musician's kind of running a business. Right. Oh, for sure. For sure. And you know, collectors are just sort of collecting uh, to, I mean, especially sort of in the in the crypto world, they're collecting to either flip that, right? And make money, mm-hmm. which is one of the the less um, cool, uh, you know, appealing aspects <laughs> yeah, of it yeah, to yeah. me when you see that, like, yeah, I mean, I'm all for people making money, right? But sort yeah. of seeing like people buy people and then, they get it for whatever, like a hundred dollars and then they sell it for, you know, $500,000. Right. Mm-hmm. That in itself is amazing. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And an amazing opportunity for somebody, but like from the artistic standpoint, it just, it's sort of bringing like some of the, the worst aspects of crypto into the art world. Um, yeah. I'm guessing the traditional art world may be similar. I don't know enough about it where, yeah. But it, it seems to me that people aren't necessarily flipping artwork a lot. Right. Or not that I've seen. Right, right. It's more collecting to support that artist, right? Um, or maybe it is an investment as well. Like I, I, aspects, I guess. It, from my limited perspective, like it does happen, but it's not like the technology mm-hmm. makes that phenomenon, like it, it puts it on steroids because it's like, grab flip 10 seconds you know whereas like a collector may see an artist who's like up and coming and they're like how much is that two grand oh yeah i bet like yeah you're doing things like i bet in five to ten years i could flip it for a hundred you know 20 50 whatever but it's not like ooh, i'm gonna snatch up this you know a hundred dollar people uh, edition of whatever, and then turn around and post it on, on, you know, in my wallet for sale for 500 grand. And, you know, there's a lot of fuckery that can go down in between all that, I suppose. But it's again, like you were saying, it's, it's, it's also great. You know, we can't, we can't overlook like the pros to all this too, because, in a situation like that, like people makes the hundred bucks or whoever, you know, whoever makes the hundred bucks on their edition of whatever image online 
and they still get 10%. So if someone sells it for a ridiculous amount, what is that? That's, is that five grand or 50 grand? I mean, that's, that's a good chunk. That's great. That's great for the artist. And you definitely don't see that in the traditional art world. Unfortunately, no one's like, yo, I'm going to hook you up. Cause you know, like you made this and I only bought it for two grand and I flipped it for 20. Like no one's, no one's doing that. Um, so yeah, that's like you were saying too, that's definitely what had me hype the first few weeks. And, um, I, I kind of see the hype settling down and like, it's just like anything that has hype around it. If, if the hype is valid, there'll be the craziness and the churn and, and all that. And then things will settle down a little bit and the real players in the game will stick around and they're there for the long haul. And usually that's like serious artists, right? In this case, that's, that's what that is. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I'd like to get into it, but also I'm not a digital artist and I don't want to slap a still JPEG up there and be like 4,000 bucks. Come on, let's go. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely exciting and it can be confusing and scary and, you know, it can be very triggering for some people, you know, there's a lot of talk about like environmental concerns and, Mm -hmm. you know, being a technologist as well as an artist, you know, I see, and this is one of the things that I I really wanted to look into when I started looking into this, looking at the technology and sort of what it was doing. And a lot of the stuff, like I said, is, is fairly new technology, right? It's being used in, in different ways now. And, um, it's constantly involving, like I've, I've been in software for such a long time that, you know, my day job, I worked with JavaScript a lot and, and build, you know, applications with react and like these libraries and these languages are just continuously evolving. Same thing with sort of like the technology around blockchain. It's very new. There's constant development on it. Mm-hmm. So things break or things not are working on it as expected sometimes. So if you're in the space, you kind of got to like be mindful of that, right? Things aren't going to work all the time. Um, as well as, you know, the environmental concern was like one of the things that I didn't really think about initially, mm-hmm. but when I started seeing people talking about it, I was like, okay, yeah, maybe this is a problem. Um, and then sort of looking into it more, there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's lots of misunderstanding of like what's happening. Mm-hmm. I think there's some valid concerns for sure right. with like mining of these, um, you know, all the mining concerns of like, even if you look at like cities where Bitcoin miners used to be, right. They went in, they ate up all the energy, you know, when it was low cost, but then once energy costs went up, they sort of moved and left like, you know, pieces of towns just like in ruins or whatever yeah Um, so like i think that people definitely need to sort of think about that somewhat but like i said this constantly evolving where you know people talk about ethereum and ethereum 2 and what it's going to do to you know sort of the way these transactions are calculated yeah and that's definitely going to make things much better um it's not quite there yet but yeah. I think, you know, it's, like I said, it's constantly evolving. 
So there are already blockchains that are sort of on what we call the the proof of stake. Like, um, yeah, um, a good example is is Tezos for anyone listening. Oh yes, I think this yes. will be the third episode in a row whenever once I release it, or maybe the second in a row that I talk about Tezos and Hicket Nunk as a platform and uh, Calament.io. Check those out if you're looking for a more you know green and sustainable uh, blockchain technology in proof of stake. Yeah, and I actually just got into Hicket Nunk's, uh, I don't know, maybe it was like a week or two ago, mm-hmm. uh, and started putting animations on there you know, things that I don't had never released before <clears throat> just nice. scraps of things that I had done for like concert visuals, just things like laying around. Right. Um, and I sort of put them together, uh, like a nice GIF or a little MPEG, um, sort of put them on there. And it, it was more initially like for research, for my own research to sort of look into this and see like, what's going on here. Is this a different sort of way like how are they handling these things? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's a community in its own right there, you know, of, and to me that feels much more crypto arty than like super rare or nifty gateway. Right. right? <clears throat> this is, this feels like what I would expect, you know, crypto art to feel like, like the, the UI is like broken half the time. <laughs> the gifts aren't loading because they're like 10 megabytes. And, yeah, yeah. you know, half the time your transactions get backtracked. And, um, but that's, that goes back to like, this is such a new technology. Sure. But that's to me, that's what, that's what makes it fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of being there in the beginning, seeing all these things before they really blow up. But I think what Hicket Nuts is really showing is that. And this is one of the very interesting things that I found artists are buying other artists artwork. Yeah. Right. And that's, that was pretty badass to see, you know, you see like on the Ethereum side, you see some of these artists getting four grand, 10 grand, 80 grand, hundred grand, millions of dollars for an animation or for a collection of animations or whatever. And then those artists, going back and sort of buying artwork from other artists. Right. Yeah. And to me, this is what fed the entire hype cycle. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. the money is just like flowing. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's like a washing machine right now. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go into like money laundering. Much, <laughs> yeah. I was going to uh, say more ways than one. <laughs> but yeah, the money is just, just like transferring hands so quickly. Right. 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 It's, it's, it's almost like, you know, the bigger artists are buying smaller artists, smaller artists are buying all their friends' artwork. Yeah. And on the Ethereum side, you know, the prices are, have been way inflated, you know, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So it's it's sort of, and the gas fees are, you know, have been astronomical, you know? Yeah. I mean, like $100 for a transaction. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's so weird. Um, maybe getting back to the kind of like buggy aspect of all the new technology is like... Uh, I bought I bought one NFT so far, and when I went to buy it the first time, um, the gas fee was more than what the art costs, and I was like, "What the fuck?" And so I reloaded, you know, reloaded and waited, and then it was like seven bucks, and so I'm like, "Okay, I hope people aren't just." I mean, I guess if you have enough Ethereum, you can just kind of click through, and you're like, "Yep, yep, okay, I'm gonna need it now." 
but I don't, uh, to be honest, I don't understand all the gas fee stuff. Um, I guess there's like a power surge at that moment. They're like, oh man, we're going to need a lot of money if you want to buy it right this second. But I, I, it was literally 20, 30 seconds later and then the gas fee went right down. So I, I don't understand how that works. Do you, are you privy to that at all? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I don't want to go like describe yeah, sort okay. of all the technical details, but basically on Ethereum side right now, the gas fee is to pay for the miners that do the calculations on your transaction. Sure. So there's like some warehouse somewhere that has a bunch of like computers in it that is, you know, crunching all the numbers for this transaction because right. every transaction on the blockchain gets stored somewhere. For sure. Right. They have to calculate it and they have to store it. So yeah. That calculation costs electricity, right? You have to run the server or whatever, the GPU or whatever's running it. So mm-hmm. in order for the miner, whoever's running all those computers to make money, they need to get a cut of that transaction, right? So for the sure. gas fee goes to that miner. I just don't understand why in that specific instance that I just described, like why it was astronomical one second and then like the next it went, it dropped and I just... I don't know. To, to me, that's, I've actually seen that. It's it's like, it's the technology, mm. it's like the applications themselves, really, mm-hmm. that can cause this. So if you use MetaMask, yeah. basically MetaMask is like calling an API somewhere to get that gas fee to mm-hmm. calculate it, right? Yeah. Maybe there's a bug in the software that generates that. You know, maybe you just needed to refresh it Right, because it had cached some number in there that was incorrect from a previous transaction. Yeah. You know, software is <laughs> is very delicate, you know. For sure. Um, yeah. And it can do some weird things. <laughs> just yep. like anything, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, if your computer's not working, you power it off and power it back on, you know, yeah. restart it. Yeah. And it just works. So there's nice. a lot of that weirdness, you know, going on, I think. Yeah, for sure. But but Hickek nuts to me, if you just want to play around like with blockchain and crypto art, that's sort of that's a fun place to do it for for not much. You yeah. know, I don't know how many people are buying Ethereum with their own money right now, you know, and you know, putting thousands of dollars of their own money into it and then purchasing crypto art with it. Like I said before, I think a lot of the money is getting churned around, yeah. you know. Yeah, from like big players pushing it down, but Hickak Nuns is like you can go put like a hundred dollars down, fifty dollars down. Yeah, and transactions are like are less than a dollar. You know, it's like a few cents or even less than a few cents Mm -hmm. to make transactions there. And the artwork as well, like a lot of the artists will put up like editions of ten for you know for very cheap, like five dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars. Yeah. So yeah. That, to me, that's the fun part where you can actually collect some of this artwork from these artists uh, for, you know, relatively cheap right now. Yeah. That may go up, you know, once more people start, you know, getting into it. But yeah, for right now, it feels, you know, really, really cool. Yeah. And that's the cool thing about, <clears throat> about Tezos too, is that it's at a relatively low price right now um, compared to like Ethereum or Bitcoin or, I mean, even even other coins that are in the hundred to two hundred dollar range, like Litecoin or or whatever, so there's potential for growth uh, if anybody <laughs> is interested in that. 
Um, so we'll wrap up here, man. Uh, I just wanted to ask you one last question. Do you have any big projects or dream projects that are coming up or that you would like to happen? Um, you think about that at all ever? No, I think about that a lot. And, um, I don't have anything in the pipeline right now, mm. but, but this goes back to sort of reflecting on <clears throat> the things that you've done. And to me now it's, it's sort of looking forward to things that I want to do. Um, and, you know, I had an interesting conversation with somebody not too long ago about like designing your life. And they were like, you know, if you sort of begin with the end in mind, sort of look at your life sort of further down the road when you're 80 or 90, sort of think about the things that you would would have wanted to done have done during your lifetime and sort of work your way back, right? Figure out, well, what are the steps that were, you know, I would have taken to get there, right? Totally. And so that's sort of like the phase of my life that I'm in right now. Sort of like seeing, I don't want to say I'm in like a midlife crisis, but it feels <laughs> like I'm sort of in like a transitionary phase where sure. I've done a lot, like I've had a lot of success, and now it's it's sort of looking at what I want to do next. Um, a lot of that has to, has to do with like, for me, like having a business, a thing that I can work on that is like ArtCraft to me is ideal because I can work with artists, technology side of it as well, but like combine those things perfectly. Yeah. Right? But then I have like the artistic side as well where I'm starting to get more into get back into 3d, get more into like animation, um, you know, motion graphics type stuff, you know? So I, one of the things that I've always wanted to do is like make music videos. Right. Ooh, nice. I grew up sort of right in MTV era where you'd see these videos. I mean, the ones that sort of stick in my mind are like the tool videos oh, yeah. where it's like just this weirdest shit that you've never <laughs> imagined before. Right. And, um, and so I have a lot of things like short films that I have like documented just over the years, sort of sitting, uh, in Evernote right now, uh, just ideas of things that I would want to work on I'm yeah. thinking about right now, sort of musicians that I could potentially pair up with. This goes kind of into the NFT thing too, as well. Like there's a lot of musicians and artists teaming up now. Uh, so coming together to sort of build out, you know, those longer, like short film type animations with my artwork, um, I think will really sort of combine like my love of music and the artwork together in like a very visually uh, appealing, you know, more than just like a static image. Right? right. Right. So I feel like over the next, you know, that's sort of the phase I'm going into now doing a lot of experimenting and sort of learning about ways to use cinema 4d after effects to sort of create all these crazy uh, designs and animations similar to the artwork I create, right. To have that same energy and emotion coming out um, to combine that with, to really combine that with music, not just me listening to it while I'm doing it, but right. sort of meld them together in more of a, like either a concert visual style or music video type style. Yeah. 
Yeah, and with uh, with the technology going at the rate it is, uh, might even be a full virtual reality world at some point. Absolutely. I mean, there's some artists who are doing some really cool things <clears throat> like that right now. Yeah. Sort of getting into that, you know, like we talked about Unreal before, Unreal Engine. Mm-hmm. It sort of opens up the door to sort of bring your 3D assets and your animations. Yeah. And then give that to other people to experience, right? Imagine a world that's got, you know, amazing music sort of playing as you're flying through it, running around. You've got crazy like colors and visuals. You know, it's like, you know, a virtual psychedelic experience, right? Where you're kind right. of just seeing and hearing all of this, um, you know, coming together uh, in one sort of experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the future is definitely exciting. And thank you so much for your time and, and for your energy here today, Matt. Uh, really enjoyed talking to you. We'll have to do this again sometime. Yeah, man, this is amazing. Like I said, this is my first podcast and, you know, uh, it's sort of good to sort of get down and, and talk to you. We've been sort of following each other online and, um, you know, I commissioned you for some artwork and, uh, you know, I really love your stuff. And, Thanks, and one man. of the reasons sort of, I, you know, wanted to you know, get some of your artwork on my wall is to support sort of this podcast. Yeah. Cause this has been one of the things that has been inspirational to me. You know, when I was commuting to work, I would listen to the podcast, you know, oh. just hear about, you know, when you and John started it and, you know, I've got one of John's pieces right, right here as yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> so like for me, that's like, that's how I can support, you know, other artists. Yeah. You, know, you guys are putting out this amazing sort of content for people. And, um, you know, I'm able to support, um, you guys, you know, like this and it's, it's been really awesome. So it's been a pleasure you know, having, you know, being on this podcast. Yeah, man. Well, yeah, I appreciate you so much. Um, and, and thank you for continuing to listen and, yeah, like I said, I'd be happy to have you back at some point. Um, let's stay in touch. For sure, man. Awesome, dude. Well, um, ladies and gentlemen, that was Matt Mills. Uh, you can f- tell people where they can find you real quick, and then we'll we'll go ahead and stop recording. <laughs> so just Matt Mills Art on Instagram and Twitter, uh, mattmillsart.com, uh, you know, on the web. And you can go to artgrab.co slash mattmillsart to license any of my previous artwork. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for listening and Matt, I'll see you next time.